So um, quick introduction. My name's Reggie Rapley and I am the CFO for a company called named Pura. Um, I've been there for the last almost two years and it's kind of a mid-stage startup right now is where we're at in kind of the company life cycle. Um, as the CFO, pretty much take care of all things financial and also work with the uh, supply chain operation guys pretty closely. Um, usually I'm working with, uh, you know, banks, investors, some outside accounting firms, I have some internal employees that I work with, but really like a big chunk of my job is just making sure that we're, we're using the capital the way that we should be making sure that it's effective and also safeguarding the, the company assets for the investors. Um, a good majority of my job is, you know, I work hand in hand with the CEO, uh, just helping him on any questions he has, or if he needs any different scenarios or models put together. Um, I try to put those together to help us understand the company and what we're doing and, you know, what our plans are to make sure that it makes sense. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, so it's been a great company. Um, what products do you guys sell for the listener that doesn't know? Yeah, so Pura is a company that we have focused solely on smart home fragrance. So it's kind of a, a new uh, market right now. So a lot of times people, when they think of home fragrance, they think of either like a plug-in, like a Glade plug-in that you put in the wall, or on the higher end of things, it would be some of the, the candles like from, uh, you know, Nest of New York. They're, they're like a high-end candle company. Same with Capri Blue, Apotheke. Um, <clears throat> so usually in home fragrance, you're usually in one side or the other. But what we've done is we've created a smart home device that you can plug into your wall. And then we have went out and partnered with some of these uh, big fragrance companies and license their fragrances to where they can be used in the device. So it really extends the reach of a lot of these high-end fragrance companies to where, you know, they use candles in the kitchen, but now they can put a pure device with their fragrances in bathrooms and bedrooms and all over the home. Um, what makes the device smart is that, you know, it's tied to an app and through the app you can schedule when you, you want your fragrances to turn on and off. You can geofence it. So if you're away for the day, they'll turn off. And once you get home, they'll turn on. And you also can adjust the intensity. So if something's a little too strong, you can turn it down. Or, you know, if you have people coming over and you want your house to really smell good, you can go on there and crank the fragrance up. And so um, we're probably one of the, if not the first company to, to get into that. And um, the company itself was founded in 2015 but really started um, operations and being able to sell stuff. It would have been middle to late 2018 is when we started selling products. You know, it's funny. My mom actually has one and she didn't even know that you worked for the company. Oh, really? Yeah. She talked about it like they're the greatest thing. I remember when she got them and she could control it from her phone. And I just found out that you work for Pura. And yeah. I thought that was crazy. So. Yeah, no, it's, it's kind of funny. A lot of people are really starting to, um, the company's starting to make a name for itself and people are starting to understand who we are. So it's, it's been pretty cool to see it grow. So how did you get involved? Like when did you come into the company? It was founded in 2015, but where do you go? Yeah, great question. So um, I was introduced to the CEO of the company back in, it would have been, um, I believe it was 2018. 
And at the time it was just, you know, as companies go through some of these phases and startups, they just start to need different types of talent and they really needed more of um, a CFO on the side that we were going to begin raising capital and, <clears throat> and just some stuff from the strategy side. And so I, I started with them um, kind of more on a part-time consulting basis, just trying to help the founders of the company and give them guidance where I could and provide what I could from my experience. And then it was probably towards um, the end of uh, 2019 is when I actually went on full-time with the company as like full-time CFO. Uh, so yeah, but I, I've kind of been with them. Basically they started selling product um, probably a couple months before I started working with them. Cool. So how did you get, into finance like did you what did you go to school for like what's your degree yeah so to get into finance the route the the route that that i took was through accounting so um i'm a cpa in the state of utah uh i got my degree from the university of utah i have a bachelor's in accounting and then i had a bachelor's in information systems um <clears throat> and then i went on to get a master's degree in accounting from all from the university of utah okay went and took the CPA exam, CPA exam, unfortunately, multiple times, but you know, it's a tough test. Got through that. Uh, but I started on the accounting side. So on the accounting side, it was very much working um, on preparation of financial statements and understanding the financial statements, um, understanding all the different systems and the way that the company interacts, because as, as an accountant on that side, you really have to understand everything that's going on in the company because at the end of the day it comes to the financial somewhere and so that um i felt was a pretty good track from the standpoint of it really helped me understand a lot of different uh intricacies that, that businesses have because i'd have to work with you know the operations group to see how much money they're going to spend and what are they doing and how do the costs affects the company in addition to the marketing group? What do they have to spend to bring in a customer? <clears throat> you know, what is the sales group doing and all these different things, because at the end of the day, I have to report them. Mm -hmm. And so um, from that side, it's been really good because it just helped me understand everything ins and outs of almost all the different departments and how they work. Good. So I have a question. You're, you probably meet with different investors when you're trying to get outside money for the company, but what's the best way for new startups to get seed money from your experience? Yeah. So, um, I mean, there's really kind of a, a, a path that most companies will take. I mean, you have a, a couple different options. It's either, you know, you have money on your own and you fund it yourself or for many companies nowadays, the way that it works is you kind of have to go through these different rounds. Um, <clears throat> if you're early stage, early, early stage, really it's your own money and friends and family. And the reason why I say that is because your friends and your family have a relationship with you. And a lot of times they will invest in you and your idea. Um, whereas as you get into later stages, I mean, they're still investing, like investors are, they're investing in the leadership team but they don't know you as well as like your friends and family. Um, and at that point, they're really looking at the business as, is this a viable business? 
What are they doing? How are they generating income? What's their model? Um, whereas early stage, I think some of the only access you have is probably friends and family because most later stage people are going to want it to be the business to be outside of like, like ideation has already happened. And it's like you have a, a working product or a working model and you can show that it's, it's a viable business and then people start putting money into it and then they're trying to help you grow. Whereas you kind of have to get it through that ideation stage either on your own or with, with friends and family. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, what are some little known tax benefits that small business owners can take advantage of? So this is one thing that I myself, I'm not an expert on. So coming up in the accounting um, uh, profession, you usually kind of split off of one of two ways. You kind of go really more into the accounting, finance, financials, or a lot of people go on the tax route. I went the, um, the, the financial route. And so I know a little bit about tax, but probably enough to be dangerous. But um, I myself don't even do my own taxes. You know, I, I go to the professionals for that. So I don't have really too many good tips that I probably could share on on small businesses. I think there's numerous ones out there if you just Google them on what people can do with small businesses, but probably not um, advice that I could give at this point. Okay. Um, so how have you led Pura financially through this COVID-19 pandemic? Yeah, it's been a really interesting time. Um, it's something that I don't think anybody uh, planned for or could have planned for or seen this coming and some businesses have done very well and some businesses have struggled i think everybody's had some issues with it and have been impacted it in one place or another uh, with pura um, we've been extremely fortunate in a lot of ways that the demand for our product has just skyrocketed um, but it's caused some other issues on the backside. Uh, for example I don't think there's too many supply chains in the world right now that haven't been impacted by COVID-19, mainly because people have became so reliant on uh, Chinese suppliers and Chinese manufacturers that as they had to extend their Chinese New Year and did a bunch of things while they were uh, kind of battling the, the virus and locking things down, it definitely impacted the supply chain for a lot of companies. And uh, Pura was one of them. We were fortunate in the sense that before Chinese New Year hit, we placed some fairly large orders and we were able to get some of those on the boats before um, Chinese New Year hit. So we were able to get some product in. But after that, um, a lot of the, the suppliers out there, it's taken them a long time to ramp up and get their production back up. So for companies such as Pura, where we've had such rapid growth, it's been a major struggle from the standpoint of um, how do we get inventory in here as fast as we can um, because we're really losing out on some of the sales side, but really it becomes, you know, we have to juggle that too. As a, as a startup, you only have so much capital. And so you have to really look at like how much inventory can I purchase versus, you know, we have people that we need to hire. We have different parts of the business that we also need to, take care of so the business as a whole can grow. And so it's been a, a bit challenging at times on, you know, prioritization of capital, but in the end, I think we've done 
fairly well. And I think we've been um, pretty fortunate with, you know, the demand that we've seen. And now at this point, a lot of those supply chain issues are starting to get patched up and fixed and um, we're getting things adjusted. And so uh, going into the fall, we're pretty confident that we'll see some, uh, some amazing numbers. Mm-hmm. Good. Um, what are some of your biggest failures in business and what do they teach you? Um, <clears throat> great question. So when I look at like, I'll say this right off, you know, I've had plenty of failures. I've had, you know, things that I've had to battle through. But if I were to say, what are some of the biggest things that I've been taught in business and some of the things that made the biggest impact to me? Um, I have a few experiences. You know, the first one, as I mentioned, I'm a CPA in the state of Utah. And the CPA exam was brutal. So um, if you want to talk about failures, I failed the exam 14 times. So I had friends on the other hand that would go in first time, they would, you know, ace the test and they would be done. It took me close to two years to pass that test, failed it multiple times, was probably one of the most frustrating things that I've ever been through. But it did teach me some things, you know, and the the main thing is just, you got to stick with it. You know, you got to persevere. We're all going to have hard times. We're going to have things that are, that are rough, but um, I think those that end up succeeding in the end are those that really stick to the things that they believe in and they work hard and they go after it and they get it. And, you know, the CPA exam at one point I was thinking, man, I need to change my career. Maybe I need to go into something different because it was really hard, but um, I ended up sticking with it. I passed the exam and I'd say it's been probably one of the best career choices that I've ever made because it really provided uh, a lot of opportunity just by having that license. And so that's one thing that I would probably say, you know, a life lesson is just stick with things. Um, The second thing, I guess, advice wise is that um, don't feel that you're a failure, failure like early on in your career when if, if people get hired over you and you're not getting the jobs that you want. Um, my, one of the first companies that I worked for, I was employee, I think it was like number six. So it was another very early stage startup. Um, I worked directly with the CFO. I was, uh, I think I had my bachelor's degree in accounting at the time. And so I was working there for about three months. And then the CFO told me that he was going to hire a controller. And, you know, I had the, the opportunity to take it, you know, one of two ways. Like I could be really frustrated that I wasn't going to be the controller or I could, you know, have a good attitude about it and say, you know, this is probably best for the company and it's best for me. And I, I chose that. And so it ended up being the controller came in. He ended up being a great mentor to me. And I learned more from him than I ever could have if the CFO would have said, Hey, we're going to make you the controller. And um, going one step further, the controller, even it was like a year and a half later said, Hey, we need to hire some regional controllers and hired them over me. And I could have been really irritated at the time and said, I'm done. I'm not going to do this anymore. But, um, a lot of those people that were hired over me ended up being some of the best mentors that I ever could have asked for 
They were really smart individuals. I learned a ton from them. And I think that really boosted what I could do in my career. Whereas sometimes we get frustrated from the standpoint, we think we should be the number one person. And if we get hired over that, it means we're not doing things right. But a lot of times you can turn it into a great learning opportunity. And then, you know, you can take that and use that success later on in your career. Um, I think the last thing that I would have on that would be, um, I think a lot of times when we talk about entrepreneurs, people feel like they have to be what I would say is like the entrepreneur, but there's a lot of different stages and people that can be entrepreneurs. And so you shouldn't get frustrated if you're not the guy that's basically created the next unicorn company, but there there's plenty of opportunity um, for many people out there that, you know, everybody has expertise somewhere and you, you try to partner with some of the people that end up being, you know, these great entrepreneurs and in doing so, um, you end up learning a great deal from them. Um, I think there's some people, if they saw what some of these um, early stage entrepreneurs go through, they maybe would even think differently if they wanted to go out and do that because a lot of them, they sacrifice a lot. You know, a lot of the the people that I've worked with, I mean, they've taken out second mortgages on their homes, sold their cars. They've done everything that they can to try to fund a company that at the time, a lot of people will tell you, you know, that's a dumb idea, but they, they keep plugging along and they do it. And, you know, a lot of them, if they, if they, uh, you know, kind of have that grit, they end up going on to be successful. And I've seen a lot of them do it. It's just, you know, they're very driven individuals. Um, A lot of them keep some pretty crazy hours and pretty crazy schedules. And I think for those that want to get into it, you really have to be prepared, you know, to really give it your all. And when people are saying this isn't smart, you, you take the criticism, but you know, you keep focusing on what you need to do and, you know, you iterate with your company. And as you do that, you can, uh, you can start to see success, but I've, I feel fortunate that I've been able to be around some of the best entrepreneurs, I think in Utah. Um, Many of them have built, you know, successful businesses multiple times. And, you know, I may not be the entrepreneur, but I feel like, you know, I love working with early stage startup companies. I have an entrepreneurial drive, but I love being able to partner with them and help them, shape and build and take a part of their company in the early stage. And I think that's something that people need to look at. Like, where do you sit in this equation? You know, are you going to be the entrepreneur? Are you the person that's going to help that person, you know, build and shape and mold their company? Mm -hmm. I just want to say, I think that's crazy. And it shows who, what your true character is that you took the CPA test 14 times and you never gave up. So I want to acknowledge you for that. And, that's that's pretty cool. Hey, thank you. Did you ever envision yourself while you were? Because I'm sure that was so frustrating taking that test, those that many times. But did you ever envision yourself being to where you are today as the CFO of a growing startup? Um. Yes and no. You know, I think I always wanted to get to the point where I'd be um, kind of in the CFO seat and. Um, but yeah, when I was taking the test, I mean, all I could think really was like, get through this stupid test. Um, and I think another thing that would be, 
I guess kind of going back to that, you know, what are some of your failures in college? You know, a lot of the universities basically told, they make you feel like if you're not working for one of the big firms or, you know, these really big companies that, you know, you're not going to make it in this career path. And I think people need to, you know, look a little broader. There's so much opportunity out there. And when I, when I got out of college, it was during the days of when Arthur Anderson had just collapsed. No one was hiring um, on the accounting side. So I never ended up working with any of the big firms. And at the, for a time, I really felt like I'm not going to make it. I failed. And, but, you know, it's like you keep working at it and you keep working hard. And if you do so, eventually you'll find a place where it fits for you and where you can do what you really want to do. Um, so, and I think that's part of just, you know, like with the CPA exam, you just got to keep going after it and eventually you can, you know, find that success. Mm-hmm. Um, so last two questions. If we could hop in a time machine right now and travel to any time in your life and you could tell yourself anything, where would you go and what would you say? Man, um, I'd try to go back to myself at a time where I could say, by Microsoft, by Apple, by some Amazon, oh, yeah. and by some Tesla. You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you go way back, you can you can make a grundle off those companies. No, in all seriousness, um, and thinking of where I would go, I'd probably go back to when I was when I was 18 years old. Um, I think when you're you're 18 years old, there's a lot of things going on in, in the world where you're thinking like, what am I going to do? What kind of jobs am I going to have? you know, just what, what does life have in store for me? And I'd probably tell myself like, look, you just keep working at it and work hard and try to be smart in your decisions and you're going to be okay. And you know what, there's going to be some times in life where, you know, you're going to get the the crap beat out of you and you're going to feel like I'm done. I can't do this. I don't want to do it anymore. Um, And those are the times that are most important where you, you double down and you say, you know, I can do this. And I think that's important for people to know. We have so much potential if we just don't quit. If we keep working hard, you know, we pour our heart into it, we can be successful. And I think that would be important to tell my 18 year old self because, you know, as I go through life and as I've had these struggles and these trials, whether it was the CPA exam or whether it was getting hired over or even, you know, day-to-day stuff at work. I mean, there's some challenges, um, but there's nothing that we can't, you know, get over if, if, we, if we think through it, if we work hard, if we're smart about our decisions. But in doing so, you know, it, it, it's hard. Like sometimes you think like, this is it, I am done. But those are the times that you just really have to get after it. Mm-hmm. So you can prescribe anything to the entire world and they have to do it for 30 days. What do you tell them to do? Oh, geez. <laughs> um, like right now, the world is crazy. <laughs> um, like honestly, if I could force everybody, I'd just say, you know, everybody take a break. Let's take a breath for a minute. Everybody relax. I just see so much um, division, not only in the U.S., just but throughout the world. And there's like so much hate and it's just causing so many problems. And I just wish I could tell people to like, 
just relax for a bit. You know, let's, let's instead of be divided, let's try to figure out a way that we can come together on these big issues that we face as a country, as a people, as a world. Like, how can we come together to make these things better rather than being divided and pointing fingers and saying, you know, you're an idiot. No, you're the idiot. It, it never solves anything. Hate never solves anything. And I feel like if we could calm down a little bit and come together, we could probably do some really magnificent things in the world. But, you know, I guess it's going to take, you know, that wish of 30 days and force people to do it.